Hi everybody, I'm Dr. Arben, Professor Arben Nastvatsatjan from Yerevan, Armenia. For you, Dr. Y. Uh, it's quite easier. So, and uh, today we'll continue to talk about uh, pericarditis. So, this is the second part of the lecture. So, actually, in this part we have to talk about pericarditis treatment, treatment of the pericarditis, but uh, concerning t cardiac tamponades, uh, some, uh, some words. So, uh, about cardiac tamponade. Low voltage and elect uh, alternance on the ECG suggests cardiac tamponade. But these findings lack sensitivity and specificity. When tamponade is suspected, echocardiography is done unless even a brief delay might be life-threatening. Then pericardiocentesis is done immediately for diagnosis and treatment. On an echocardiogram, respiratory variation of transvalvular and venous flows and compressions or collapse of right cardiac chambers in the presence of a pericardial effusion support the diagnosis. Significant cardiac tamponade is a clinical diagnosis. Echocardiographic findings alone are not an indication for, for pericardial synthesis. Now, don't forget this. So, significant cardiac tamponade is a clinical diagnosis, is a hmm, disease. Echocardiographic findings alone are not an indication for pericardial synthesis. If tamponade is suspected, right heart swan guns catheterization may be done. In cardiac tamponade, there is no early diastolic drip in the ventricle pressure record. Diastolic pressure are elevated about 10 to 30 mm hydrargum and equal in all cardiac chambers and in the pulmonary artery. In the arterial pressure curve, X descent is preserved and Y descent is lost. In contrast, in severe congestive states due to dilated cardiomyopathy, pulmonary artery collusion, occlusion on left ventricle diastolic pressure usually exceeds right atrial mean pressure and right ventricle diastolic pressure by more than 4 mm hydrargium. So about diagnosis of cause, after, peri uh, after pericarditis is diagnosed, tests to determine etiology and the effect of cardiac function on cardiac function are done in a young, previously healthy adult who presents with a viral infection and acute pericarditis. And an extensive evaluation is usually unnecessary. Differentiating viral from idiopathic pericarditis is difficult, expensive and generally of little practical importance. In other cases, a biopsy of pericardial tissue or, as, or aspiration of pericardial fluid may be needed to establish a diagnosis. Acid-facid stains and cultures of pericardial fluid are essential if tuberculosis is considered possible. Uh, tuberculosis pericarditis can be aggressive and can worsen rapidly with corticosteroid therapy. So samples are examined for malignant cells. However, complete drainage of a newly identified pericarditis 
Pericardial effusion is usually unnecessary for diagnosis. Persistent, usually more than three months, or progressive effusion, particularly when the etiology is uncertain, also warrants pericardiosynthesis. The choice between needle pericardiosynthesis and surgical drainage depends on institutional resource and physical experience, the etiology of the effusion, the need for diagnostic tissue samples, and the prognosis of the patient. Needle peri pericardiosynthesis is often best when the etiology is known or the presence of tamponade is in question. Surgical drainage is best when the presence of tamponade is certain but the etiology is unclear. Okay, so it's very important. Uh, surgical drainage is best when the presence of tamponade is certain but the etiology is unclear. Laboratory tests of pericardial fluid other than culture and cytology are usually non-specific. But specific diagnoses are sometimes possible using newer visual, cytologic and immunologic analysis or fluid obtained via pericardioscopic guided biopsy. Cardiac catheterization may be useful for evaluating pericarditis and identifying the cause of reduced cardiac function. Computer tomography or MRI can help identify metastasis, although echocardiography is usually sufficient. Other tests include complete blood count, acute phase reactants, routine chemistry tests, cultures, uh, autoimmune tests, and when appropriate, tests for HIF, histoplasmosis complement fixation, complement fixation in endemic areas and antibody tests for Coxsackie virus, influenza virus, uh, echovirus and streptococcus. Yes, so Coxsackie virus, yeah, influenza, uh, influenza virus, echovirus and streptococcus. Anti-DNA and anti-RNA antibody tests may be useful. A purified protein derivate, derivate uh, PPD skin test is done, but it can give false negative results. Tuberculosis pericarditis can be ruled out only by culture of pericardial fluid for acid fast bacilli. So treatment. <coughs> uh, varies, varies treatment by cause. Non-steroidal anti-inflammatory drugs, colchicine, colchicine, uh, colchicine or colchicine, and infrequently corticosteroids for pain and inflammation, pericardiosynthesis for tamponade and some large effusions, sometimes intrapericardial drugs, for example, the triamcinolone or triamcinolone, so triamcinolone and sometimes pericardial resection for constrictive pericarditis, particularly when symptomatic. So treatment of underlying cause, for example, cancer. Hospitalization is warranted for some patients with an initial episode of acute pericarditis, particularly those whose moderate or large effusions or which high-risk features such as elevated temperature, subacute onset, immunosuppression, recent trauma, oral anticoagulant therapy, failure to respond to an initial course of aspirin or non-steroid drugs. 
anti-inflammatory drugs, and myopericarditis. Hospitalization is needed to determine etiology and to observe for the development of cardiac tamponade. Close early follow-up is important in patients who are not hospitalized. Possible causative drugs, for example, anticoagulants, prokinamide, phenytoin, are stopped. For cardiac tamponade, immediate pericardiothesis is done. Removal or even a small volume of fluid may be life-saving. Yeah. So, pericardiosis... Uh, if you want, huh? uh, okay, some words, huh? So, pericardiosynthesis. Except in emergencies, for example, cardiac tamponade, pericardiosynthesis, a potentially lethal procedure, should be done using echocardiographic guidance in the cardiac catheterization laboratory and should be supervised by cardiologist cardiologist or thoracic surgeon if possible. Resuscitation equipment must be at hand. Intravenous sedation is desirable. The patient should be recumbent with the head elevated 30, uh, point, 30 degree from the horizontal. Under aseptic conditions, the skin and subcutaneous tissues are infiltrated with lidocaine. Lidocaine. A 75 millimeter short bevilled uh, 16 gauge needle is attached via three-way stopcock stop, stop to a 30 or 50 millimeter syringe. The pericardium may be entered via the right or left xivocostal angle or from the tip of the xiphoid process with the needle directed inward, upward and close to the chest wall. The needle is advanced with constant suction applied to the syringe. Echocardiography may be used to guide the needle as agitated saline is injected through it. Echocardiography is, is also increasingly used to identify the optimal puncture site and the needle trajectory. Once in a place, the needle should be clamped next to the skin to prevent it from entering further than necessary and possibly puncturing the heart or injuring, uh, injuring a coronary vessel. ECG monitoring is essential for detecting arrhythmias produced when the myocardium is touched or punctured. As a rule, right atrial pressure and pulmonary artery occlusion pressure, pulmonary capillary wedge pressure, are monitored. We, fluid is withdrawn until intrapericardial pressure falls below right atrial pressure, usually to sub-atmospheric levels, atmospheric levels. If continued drainage is needed, a plastic catheter may be passed through the needle into the pericardium and the needle withdrawn. The catheter may be left in place for two or for two for two two four days. So pain pain be controlled with colchicin. Uh, colchicin or aspirin uh, every six to f four to six hours. 
Huh? The intensity of therapy is, is dis dictated by the patient's distress. Severe pain may require opioids. Consciousness orally once a day for three months or from 0 0.5 to 1 milligram. So orally once a day from six, uh, three months as an injunct significant decreases the recurrence rate and symptom persistence in patients with the first episode of acute perchidicarditis and it's increasingly being used at the first line therapy. Although most mild causes of idiopathic and viral pericarditis respond well within a week, the optimal duration of treatment is unclear. Typically, patients should be treated at least until any effusion and evidence of inflammation, for example, erythrocyte sedimentation rate, C-reactive protein, level self resolved. Corticosteroids, for example, prednisolone, 60 to 80 mg oral once a day for a one week, followed by rapid tapering, uh, tapering of the dose, may be used in patients with specific indications, for example, connective tissue disorders, autoimmune, or uremic pericarditis, failure to respond to cautiosin or, uh, or non-steroid drugs, anti-inflammatory drugs, but are not given routinely because they enhance viral multiplication and recurrence is common when the dosage is tapered. Cautiosin may be particularly useful during the taper. An alternative approach is the use of prednisone at the lower dose, uh, 0.2 uh, to 0.5 milligram, milligram kilogram orally once a day for two uh, to four weeks followed by a slow taper over three months. Tuberculosis and pyogenic uh, pericarditis should be excluded before corticosteroid therapy is in the initiated. Intrapericardial installation of triamcinolone avoids uh, systemic adverse effects and are highly effective but is typically reserved for patients with recurrent or refractory disease. Anticoagulants are usually contraindicated in acute pericarditis because they may cause intrapericardial bleeding and even fatal tamponade. However, they can be given in early pericarditis complicating acute myocardial infarction and commonly pericardial resection is required. Painful recurrence of acute pericarditis may respond to non-steroid drugs, anti-inflammatory drugs, and or, and or colchicine, 0.5 mg orally twice a day for 6 to 12 months with a gradual taper. In the, if these drugs do not suffice, sufficient, do not suffice, corticosteroids may be, may be tried, presuming the cause if it is not infectious. Refractory causes have been treated with interleukin-1 receptor antagonists, for example, anakinra. Infections are treated with specific antimicrobials. Complete drainage is often necessary. In postpericardiotomic syndrome, postmyocardial infarction syndrome, or idiopathic pericarditis, antibiotics are not indicated, and non-steroid drugs are full doses may control pain and effusion. When required to control pain, Fever and effusion prednisone, 20 to 60 mg orally once a day, may, may be given for 3 to 4 days. If the response is satisfactory, for those is gradually, the dose is gradually reduced and the drug may be stopped in 7 to 14 days, 1-2 weeks. But sometimes many months 
of treatment are needed. Beginning of post-operative day 3, colchicine 1 mg orally once a day for 30 days after a 2 mg load may reduce the incidence of postpericardiotomy syndrome after cardiac surgery. Aspirin should be used when pericarditis occurs in patients with acute myocardial infarction. Yeah. For pericarditis due to rheumatic fever, another connective tissue disorder or tumor therapy is directed at underlying process. For pericardial effusion due to trauma, surgery is sometimes required to repair the injury and remove blood from the pericardium. Pericarditis due to uremia may respond to increased frequency of hemodialysis. Dialysis. Hemodialysis, aspiration or systemic or intrapericardial corticosteroids. Intrapericardial triamcinolone may be useful. Chronic effusions are best treated by treating the cause if known. Recurrent or persistent symptomatic effusions may be treated with balloon pericardiotomy or a surgical pericardial with, uh, window. Asymptomatic effusions or unknown, of unknown cause may require only observation. Congestion in chronic constrictive pericarditis may be alleviated with salt restriction and diuretics. Digoxin is indicated only if atrial arrhythmias atrial arrhythmias or ventricular systolic dysfunction is present. Madiagoxin. Uh, patients with asymptomatic constrictive pericarditis, for example, with dyspnea, unexplained weight gain, a new or increased pleural effusion or ascites, and those with markers of chronic constriction, for example, cachexia, 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 atrial fibrillation, atrial fibrillation, hepatic dysfunction, pericardial calcification, usually require pericardial resection. However, patients with mild symptoms, heavy calcification or extensive myocardial damage may be poor surgical candidates. About mortality. So mortality rate for pericardial resection may approach 40% in New York Heart Association functional class 4 patients. Talk, when we talk about when we talk about heart failure, no, you, you you remember New York Heart Association heart failure. Anyway, I give you the link to for you to see this classification, very important classification. So once again, the mortality rate Mortality rate for pericardial resection may approach 40% in uh, NUHA, New York Heart Association, function class for patients. Patients who have constrictive pericarditis due to irradiation or a connective tissue disorder are especially likely to have severe myocardial damage and may not be benefit from pericardial resection. Patients with newly diagnosed constrictive pericarditis who are hemodynamically stable and without evidence of chronic and constriction may be given a three-month trial of anti-inflammatory drugs rather than pericardio, uh, pericardectomy. Patients with peri pericardial inflammation on MRI may also benefit from a trial of medical therapy first rather than pericardectomy. 
So key points. Uh, patients may have signs of inflammation and or fluid accumulation, effusion. Electrocardiography and echocardiography are usually adequate, adequate for diagnosis, but right and left heart catheterization, computer tomography, MRI may, or MRI may be needed to diagnose constrictive pericarditis. Pain is treated with non-steroid, non-steroidal anti-inflammatory drugs and or colchicine. Corticosteroids may be added for non-infectious causes. Effusions usually respond to treatment of the cause, but recurrent or persistently symptomatic effusions may require drainage, percutaneous or surgical. Symptomatic chronic constrictive pericarditis usually requires pericardial resection. Although patients with early stage constrictive pericarditis can be treated with a trial of medical therapy first. So that's enough. Um, that's all concerning pericarditis. My dear friends, thanks for your attention. Yeah, thank you for your attention, and please don't forget don't forget about your donation, please, sir, because without your donations we can't exist. So how to make these donations you can find in the description of this video on YouTube or in your podcast. Uh, don't forget to follow and subscribe our channel, Dr. Y. Yes, for you I am Dr. Y. My name I know is unpronounceable for you. Uh, don't forget to follow and subscribe. Subscribe and follow our channel. Also, see you in another lectures. Bye.